0: Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, so anyway, that was excellent. I like to start with something humorous and funny sometimes. I'm not always... I'm quite a humorous and funny guy when you get to know me, but I'm not always brilliant at jokes, but I did hear a funny story that I thought was was humorous, so we'll, we'll have a go at this. There's a guy called Kevin... And he, was, he, he got laid off from work and he was really struggling to find a job, he was doing everything he could to get a new job and it just wasn't working out for him. He was sending his CV off everywhere, anywhere he could think of, he was sending it off, no joy, he couldn't get hold of a job. And then suddenly, eventually, he gets offered an interview. He is over the moon, he's determined to give it everything he possibly can. He gets suited and booted, he's got all his answers prepared, he's researched the company, name it, turns up, walks through the door, does the interview. It's going swimmingly. They are loving him. His answers are prepared. They think he's great and they're all ready to hire him. They go to the final question. They say the most important thing in this place, Kevin, is that you're able to take responsibility. He says, whoa, he says, I'm your man. He said, in my last job, he said, all they were ever telling me was, Kevin, anything that goes wrong here is your responsibility. Come on, let's see. (laughs) All right, come on, let's say it in faith. I am a child of God, so I'm entitled to all the benefits that brings. Right now, I'm ready to listen to all that God has to say to me and to respond with faith, belief, and to be changed by His Word. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about blessing. Blessing. In fact, I want to talk about the blessing. In terms of Christian life and the Bible and what God says about all of this, there really is only the blessing. There's only the blessing. So how do we get that blessing? Responsible leaders encourage their people to take responsibility, to take ownership, Now, it's important that you understand that when I talk about taking responsibility, I don't mean taking the blame. Taking responsibility for your own life, for your own situation and what's going on, it doesn't mean that you're saying, oh, well, this is all my fault and woe is me and having a pity party or anything. No, responsibility is about saying, hey, what's my part in this? How do, what do I need to do as a Christian to get the blessing, That God wants to give to me. Because surely there's a part in that. And there is a part in that. And all of this is in love. When you encourage people to take responsibility. When you encourage people to do what's right. That is an act of love. That is an act of empowering people. I want to, in this message this morning. I want to give you faith. I want to give you belief. And I want to give you hope. Genuinely hope. Anyone want some faith and belief and hope in this place this morning? Any Christians want to be blessed this morning? Any Christians want to know what your part in being blessed is? Well, if you want to take your part, then you've got to take responsibility. If you want to be blessed by God, then you've got to take responsibility for your part in being blessed by God. For what God says is our part. For what God says we should do. There's many principles in the Bible that lead to blessing. The, the first one, probably the most well, the most important one ultimately, the central principle around blessing in the Bible is faith. It is faith. And, and I'll sum faith up really, really easy for you. It is here. Here. You've got to hear God. Faith, we are in the Christian context of the word faith, I'm not on about a worldly sense. I'm on about what a Christian would call faith, what God would refer to as faith. The first part of it is hearing. You have to hear it. You have to hear God's word. You will hear the words of God, Christos, of Christ, of Jesus, of Jesus. And when you hear, faith will be imparted unto you. But that's not the only part of faith, because if that was only it, you could just sit and read the Word all day long and do nothing in your life and think, "I'm I'm going to be blessed now, and there's nothing else I need to do." And God, I've done everything. Why aren't you blessing me? But surely that's not it, is it? There's more to it than that. Of course, there is. The second part of faith is belief. Here, believe. If you do not believe, you're gambling. You're basically taking a punt. You're buying your lottery ticket in the hopes that God is going to bless you. It is really important that we take things into our hearts. It says in Romans of salvation, Paul said this, believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Your heart is, it's not just this bit here. It's really, it's the, the subconscious is what the modern day, there was no word for subconscious when the Bible was written. That's a modern invention in the last hundred years. But the heart really, as the Bible refers to it, is your subconscious. Those beliefs, those, the seat of your emotions and your beliefs and what your, 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 your standards and your values are. The things that, you know what, goals and, and desires are great, but standards get done beliefs get done. When you believe in something, when you hold it deep in your heart, sometimes you might fail in that, but in the end it will always get done. In the end you will always achieve it because it's a standard. And when you confess that with your mouth, it's even more powerful. It's even more, Jesus knew what he was talking about, modern day psychologists and life coaches and all of these things are only really getting onto it now and they're speaking this stuff out and Jesus was saying this thousands of years ago. But the third part of faith is really the, the easiest and the hardest bit at the same time and it's do. What good is faith if you do not do it? Paul said, show me your works, sorry, show me your faith, I'll show you my works paraphrasing him there. Show me your faith. I'll show you my works. Paul did. Men of faith, women of faith do. They hear the word. They hear the word. They may test it. They may go back to God and and check it out and go around to other mature Christians, leaders in the church and speak to them. And then they do it they hear it they believe it and then they do it now there is one important aspect that i want to talk about this morning of the kind of uh, the faith realm or things of faith if you like And it's interesting because if you're new here this morning, by the way, welcome. Made up, you've come this morning. We're we're used to having new people. We love having new people in this church. And I hope you have a fantastic time. Get over in the cafe and grab what you want and tell them I said, right? You're absolutely fine to do that. We'll take the hit on that one. It's not free. It's just that we're paying for it. But that's okay. Enjoy it on us. But listen. If you're here for the first time, if you've been coming to this church for years, then you will know what I'm about to say is true. What I'm going to talk about now, I, I've been preaching for, I don't know, 15, 18 years, maybe more than that. I've preached hundreds and hundreds of sermons. It, I, if 10% of them, of, of them had even mentioned this topic, that would be a, a, that would, I would be stunned by that. It's not even anywhere close to that. But that is what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the 10% the tithe. It's a biblical principle. It's in the Bible. It's written in there. And I want to talk about it this morning. And I want to talk about what is it? What is the tithe? What is it when the Bible talks about the tithe? What is its significance? What does it mean to us as Christians? And what is it all about? And so the first thing that I want to talk about about the tithe is this. In the Bible, The overriding principle of the tithe is that it is holy. It is holy. And all the tithers said amen. The tithe is holy. Holy and set apart for God. It belongs to him. In the Old Testament, if we go right from the very beginning, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right there in the center of the Garden of Eden. If you think about this, he said to them, you can have of everything. Everything in this garden is yours, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've placed that in the middle of the garden and that is holy. It is set apart from, for me. Do not touch it. But it was within their hands. It was within their grasp. They actually had it in their hands. It was in their territory, if you like. This was a garden that God had established, a place to dwell, that he had given to Adam and Eve. He'd made it. He'd created it for them. But right in the center, he places something that he says, this is mine, this is holy, set apart for me. Belongs to me. If you're wondering what holy means... At home, in our home, in our house, we have certain things that, that belong to us that the kids don't touch. They don't touch it. It belongs to me. I have a lovely globe that's, that, that was bought, to me for my, bought for me for my birthday. The kids know you don't touch that globe. It's mine. You don't touch it. When the football's on and I'm watching, watching my favorite team, I don't need to say any more than that, really, do I, this year? When I'm watching my favorite team, <laughs> the kids know, the boys know, because they're there watching it with me, but the girls know, it's not time for Nickelodeon. They're not going to come in and watch Teletubbies. And te- how old am I sounding now, Teletubbies? <laughs> Our eldest is 19. She used to love the telly tubbies. But they know you don't go and touch that telly when dad's watching the football. You don't go near that telly when dad's watching the football. It is, to paraphrase it, holy, you don't touch it. It's his. It belongs to him. Yes, it's in the house. Yes, you could grab hold of the remote, remote control, but don't dare touch it. It's mine. When I was a kid growing up, I wouldn't go at home and walk through the living room with muddy boots on. I mean, I know times have changed, but I'd have got a whack across the head if I'd have done that when I was a kid, if I'd have walked in and and muddied the carpet. It's about respect. It's about honor. It's about giving to what is rightfully someone else's. And the tithe, a holy thing, not just the tithe, but all holy things, they are, the principle around all of those things is that God says, they are mine. They're not watered down by the world. Jesus talked about fresh water and salt water don't mix because the minute they do, the pure is is gone, isn't it? It's not pure anymore. You can't even put a drop of salt water in there. It's suddenly dissolved in there and it's become a part of it all. He talked about that with yeast. He said if you put a little yeast in, it leavens the whole lot. And when God talks about something that is holy... He's talking about something that belongs to him, yeah. that is set apart for him. Leviticus twenty-seven thirty says this, it says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Okay. It belongs to him. By eating of it, By taking of it in the garden, Adam and Eve violated an important principle. And there was a a price to pay for that. It cost them in the end. It was greed. They have everything. Yet the one thing that they didn't have, they still wanted. They still wanted that power, that control, that, no, I want to choose. I don't want to be told. All of that stuff in the Bible... And all athletes, I've got written here, all athletes know you can't achieve your dreams by being greedy. You've got to have self-control. A greedy life is a cursed life in the end. Second thing about the tithe is that it is timeless. It is a timeless principle. It began before the law. So Christians in this place that kind of know the Bible and would know what I'm meaning when I talk about the law. When we talk about the law, we're on about 613 laws that were given to Moses at Mount Sinai. You, many of you will know the Ten Commandments. In fact, I'm, I can't imagine there's a person in here that hasn't heard of the Ten Commandments. Probably quote them, most of you. could probably give you five minutes, you could probably all work them out and get them nine out of ten, ten out of ten right. But it wasn't just the Ten Commandments that Moses was given. He was given 613 laws at Mount Sinai. Now, there's a couple of important things about that. Number one is, this was kind of halfway, th- I mean, it, it wasn't at the beginning. These laws weren't given to Adam and Eve. These laws weren't even given to their descendants, or their descendants' descendants, or descendants, 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 descendants. descendants. When I talk about faith and we talk about the man of faith, Abraham, these laws weren't even given to him. He didn't even receive these laws. He started off the Israel nation. And the Israel nation became a nation. They became enslaved in Egypt. And eventually through that enslavery, they asked God and they prayed to God. And they said, Lord, release us from this bondage. And God took them out. You all will have heard of Pharaoh and the parting of the Red Sea and all of that stuff. And after all of those generations, 400 years in Egypt alone, they eventually, the people were taken out by many, many miracles. And then God said, now I'm going to establish you as a nation, as a people. And any nation needs some laws and some rules so that things are done right and are done proper. And so God gave them the laws to follow. But the first tithe where it's actually referred to specifically as a tithe, was with Abraham. The first act of giving was with Adam and Eve, and then with their children. They gave to God. In fact, Cain, was, was, his gift was found to be unworthy. It was found to be unworthy, and he suffered for that. But the first tithe was Abraham. That was before the law. So the tithe is a principle, not a law. It is something that is holy and set apart for God. Yes, it's something that we should follow, but it's not a law. It's above the law. It's outside of the law. It's a key important principle of blessing and of faith. And some people might say, yeah, but well, the laws were done away with. Well, we'll address that in a minute, but let me ask you this. If you want to talk about, and these people that say about the laws have been done away with and want to emphasize that, particularly when they're talking around tithing, notice they'll never say that around murder yeah. or rape or stealing because you don't want their own stuff stolen, do they? No one wants their own stuff stolen. So if someone stole from them, they wouldn't say, hey, it's okay because the law's been done away with, so you can steal my stuff anytime you want, that's okay. Is anyone in here cool with that? No. Morality was not done away with when the laws were done away with. They were not done away with that we shouldn't follow them anymore. If that's what you think, if that's what your understanding is, or that's what you've been taught then listen the person teaching you or what you've believed you're deceiving yourself morality has not been done away with it is an important principle in Matthew 23:23 23, 23 and in Luke 11:42 Jesus gave an important teaching and again some people have tried to use this to say well it doesn't really matter cuz he was talking to the Pharisees he wasn't he was talking to his followers if you look into this, this section, this teaching that Jesus gave, he was teaching to his own followers, but there were Pharisees there trying to catch him out. He referred to the Pharisees during that time, be a bit like someone stood over here trying to heckle me and give me a load of stuff, and me referring to them and using them to teach you a principle, that's what Jesus did in this moment. Does that make sense? And what he did was this. They, they said to him, or, he, or rather he said this to them. He said, you tithe of the mint and the dill and the cumin. What he's on about is you're tithing of every last penny. You're making sure you've done it properly, but you're neglecting the weightier aspects of the law like justice and mercy and those things. Go and read it. Matthew 23, 23 and Luke 11:42. 42. You're neglecting. You're doing these little things, making sure you get every dot right so you look good, but you're neglecting the weightier aspects of justice and mercy and truth. All of those things. And then he went on to say this, really, really important. He said this. He said, what you should have done is you should have treated justice and I'm paraphrasing it here and mercy and all of those things right without neglecting the other you should have done both not done one and said oh the other one doesn't matter and I'm talking predominantly to Christians if you're not a Christian in this place this doesn't apply to you doesn't apply to you I, I I mean hopefully you become a Christian I'd love that but you know it doesn't You ought to do this without neglecting the other, Jesus said. says in the word that when you don't tithe, when you keep of that, God says this. He says, you're robbing God. He says, it's a test. He says, test me in this. Test me in this and I will show you that I am faithful. If this is coming across as heavy, it's not meant to be. I am a passionate preacher. Go and listen to any of my podcasts. Everything I preach on, I preach passionately. So this isn't meant to be like having a go at people or making anyone, shaming anyone or anything like that. This is not the point of this. This is just something that we believe is the right thing to teach. And we believe that it needs addressing and, and doing it properly. The next point I want to raise about it is, I touched on this already. It's timeless. It hasn't been abolished. If we go to Matthew 5, 17 to 19, this is really powerful. This. this is Jesus teaching about the law. He's on the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 17, he says this. Just listen to this first phrase. Don't misunderstand Do you think he might have said that because he thinks, hey, some people could misunderstand all of this and what's about to happen? Anyone? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But you could be misunderstood. The Bible is easily misunderstood. There's people out there who've gone and, 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 and gone to a hill and all committed suicide based on what they think the Bible says. It's easy to misunderstand the Bible. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. So he didn't come to abolish them. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Their purpose. Justice and mercy and fairness and things being done right. He he says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. It is about the purpose of tithing that is important. And one of the major purposes is God wants you to be blessed. Blessed. He wants you to be blessed. Not to condemn you for not doing it or to make you feel bad or any of these things. He wants you to be blessed. And he knows in his infinite wisdom that this is the best way or part of one of the things that is important for the best way of you being blessed. He says, so if you ignore the least commandments and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Morality didn't change at the cross when Jesus died. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says this. Again, another scripture that I've misquoted so many times. Listen to this. Each one... Must give now. This is important, but I'm raising this because there's no pressure on giving. What is core in this is there's no pressure in giving. That none of you should sit here and go away from this message feeling, Oh, flip, Barry's put real pressure on me and I've got to give, and all of this. If you're going to do that, quote my whole sermon and just make sure you quote this bit that says, My purpose is not to put anyone under pressure, I'm not going to be coming to to, you know, yeah, anyway. You all get that. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Now, here's an important word, as, not what. Let's just change that for a minute. Let's pretend for a moment that it says, each one must give what he has decided in his heart. Because that's how I've heard this preached. That you decide in your own heart what you should give and then you go and give that. So this week I'll give a fiver. That week I'll give a hundred. This week I'm really motivated. It's a great thing. I'm going to give a thousand pounds towards the new keyboard. That's wonderful. Next week I'm going to give this amount. What organisation could survive like that? (laughs) I mean, that's not even possible. I can't imagine that God in his wisdom would establish churches and say, hey, just give, you know, one week you don't feel right about it, don't give. No, the point of what he's saying here is purpose in your heart, right? Decide for yourself in your own heart, not because I'm putting you under pressure, not because you've got to, anything like that, because it goes on to say God loves a cheerful giver, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but decide in your own heart. You know what? This is right for me and my family and so many others in this church and around the world. In churches around the world. Pastors, I speak to pastors all over the nation and abroad. And all of them have faithful, honest tithers in their church that give, that give faithfully because they've purposed in their heart they're going to do it and they continue to do it. And that's what this is saying. God's saying, no, you decide in your heart to give and then follow through on it. Not saying it's a shame you if you miss it one week or you get it wrong or whatever, but no, you purpose in your heart. If you purpose in your heart, generally you do it, don't you? Is this making sense? I'm trying to give a really balanced, honest message on this. It's a difficult topic. It's money, isn't it? To be honest about it, we're talking about money. I remember my mum. Being annoyed at me for giving her, um, I think it was a Mother's Day card. I'm sure it was a Mother's Day card. And I might give it her a day late. I think I'd left home by this point. And I kind of turned up with it. And I'm giving it to her. And I'm like, you know, as if like, oh yeah, it's Mother's Day. I've got to give you a card. Here's your card. And she's like having a proper go at me. I'm a young lad, you know what I mean. Like, you know, it's not at the forefront of of young lads' minds, is it? I'm not trying to put young lads down, but it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. I had far other important things on my mind at that point. And I remember my mum being really like annoyed and hurt by me that I'd really just done this to pay lip service. It was really I'd just done it because there was no real feeling in the card. I hadn't made the effort to do it. That's what this scripture's referring to. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying you shouldn't do it. He's not saying it's wrong to do. It's not like, hey, just pick. Uh, me, I'm going to give a five. And me, I'm going to give seven pound 50. Me, I'm going to give a thousand pound. You, you know, uh, yeah, anyway. Next one. To your church home. If you're a part of this church, if this is your church and you're a part of this church, this is the place where your tithes come to offerings are different. Some you might want to give to the church, others you might want to give to para-Christian organizations, and there's some great ones out there like CAP, Christians Against Poverty, You know, there's, there's, there's Compassion, there's all kinds of different organizations out there, but they, when you're giving to them, that is not where God says to give your tithe to. He says bring it to the local storehouse. He says bring it to the word. So many scriptures I could quote on this, but I haven't got time, but he says bring it to this word. If you're wondering, well, is it safe to bring it here? Let me put your mind at ease, right? We have had the most thorough investigation over the last 12 months that we could possibly have had. Charities commission, solicitors, you are not, well, yes, solicitors, we kind of spoke to them, but uh, accountants, you name it, Clean Bill of Health. Absolutely fine. Gone back over accounts for years. Charities commission said, yep, yeah, you're fine. Keep on going. We love what you're doing. They, they, they said to us personally as a family, they said the cross family. They, these were the words they used. Jeff was in here. He'll tell me if I'm wrong. he would be my witness. Cross family, get on with doing what you're doing. Running the church. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Tithers are loving this, aren't they? You're in this place. You're like, go on, Barry. Because I'm tithing. And, and, you know, I'd love it if everyone else helped me out here and did it as well. D. I've called this D. I've not kind of gone through in letters. Oh, this is, yeah, we're up to D. If that was interesting, yeah. Yeah, we've done ABC. We're up to D. Yeah, it is ABC, isn't it? D. <laughs> it is for all Christians. Just putting inverted commas there. It's For all Christians. I've already said churches around the world, rich and poor, for rich and poor. The the purpose of it being 10% is that the burden is shared fairly and and evenly and, and, and appropriately around the members, the partners, that's the purpose of it. The people who say, this is my home, that's the purpose of the 10%. God didn't say, it is this much. And it goes up with inflation. No, he said it's a... <laughs> he said, no, no, there's, a, there's an amount, it's 10%. And the idea there is that those who've been blessed more, they give more. They, they, they've been blessed more, they take a bigger weight. Those who've been blessed less, they take a lesser weight. I mean, that to me sounds kind of like just completely and utterly fair and right. I, can't, I genuinely can't see an issue with that. So so much I could go on about and so much I could talk about, so much I could say about it, but it's for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Tithing is a biblical principle. Yeah. It's holy. Yeah. It belongs to God. It's his. It's, it's his. And, and when you give back to God, God says, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and I will pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. Do you know, I had a revelation on that verse this morning. I, I've understood that verse. I've believed that verse. And, and I, I, many of you have heard me talk about legacy many, many times. I'm passionate about legacy. I, I've purposed in my heart, I want to leave a legacy of my life. That's something that lived beyond my life here on earth. But that being blessed beyond what you contain is so that there's something to leave behind. God wants you to be so blessed that you've got something to leave behind. It's for all of us to get a a part of. It starts with the leaders. You wouldn't want to be in a church where the leaders don't tithe. That wouldn't be right, would it? It's for all of us. It's for everyone, young people. Start your life off right by tithing. Do it right. Test God in it. He will bless you. Yeah. He will bless you. And, and let me ask you a question, right? If you're not, and if you've kind of decided in your heart that you don't want to, I'm cool with that. Remember the verse, not under pressure, yeah. being bullied into it or anything like that. But let me ask you, are you a question. It's okay to ask a question, isn't it? What is it that you hope to accomplish by not tithing? What is it you're hoping to accomplish by not tithing? Christian, in this place, what is it that you're hoping to accomplish by not tithing? Is it that you think you'll have more money because you've not given some away? That, that's a logical thing, if you think about it, right? That's quite logical, isn't it? I mean, that makes a lot of sense, you know, but, but Barry, yeah, if I give you 10%, or not me, sorry, not me, please forgive me, I don't mean me, I was just kind of talking, paraphrasing there, you know, if I give 10% of what I've earned, what my first fruits, if you like, then I'm going to have less. That makes sense, doesn't it? And you will have less. I can't stand here and say to you, you won't. If you give 10% away of what you've got, you'll have less. That's kind of truthful. That's right. But what God says is, he says, hold on. Who gave you the 100% in the first place? Who gave you the gifts and the talents and the abilities to make the money that you've already made in the first place? Is it not possible, is it not conceivable that I, God, may be able to make sure that you get back far more than you've ever given? Are you on a crusade? <laughs> Those who, that have purposed in your heart not to, I'm just asking questions here, that's it. Are you on a crusade to prove that it is not a biblical principle that we should do as Christians. Maybe that's why you do it. That to me is a little bit like, you know when you anyone who's got children or remember when you were a child and your mum and dad offended you. Maybe, maybe God's upset you or hurt you because I can't imagine why we wouldn't want to give to God if you were a Christian. All he's done for us, I cannot imagine why we wouldn't want to give to him. In fact, far beyond 10%. It's, this is the minimum I'm talking about here. I cannot understand why any Christian who's been saved and redeemed, and, and when, I, when, I was, when I became a Christian, I, I gave God my life. I said everything. I have purposed in my heart. I have no plans for retirement ever. That's not to say I'm going to be here forever, by the way. I'm 90 and still stood up here kind of doing it. That's not the point. The point is I've got no plans for retirement. I, I don't see that. I, I want to live my, to the, my last dying breath for God. I want to give him everything, the lot, all of it. Do we get it wrong sometimes? Absolutely. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. All of those things, of course but I want to give God everything, I want to give him, I, I, I want to give him more, but like, they, maybe, maybe God's offended you, and you're like, oh, i am begrudging. I don't want to do this, I don't th- see why I should, and all of that, I just think, it's just, that's to me, it just, think about this, I, I, is that the same, or different, and you decide in your own heart, to that, that child, the, the mum and dad have upset them, because they've run them to bed early, or whatever, and then the next day, they're like, well, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this because you've upset me. I don't think I should. And they end up hurting themselves. The point of this message, you're hurting yourself. Maybe it's about control. Maybe you don't like the idea of being someone else being in control. Hey, it's faith. If you think you're fully in control of your own life, you are deceiving yourself. You are living in utter madness. I'm sorry to say, I would have liked to have sugared that pill a little bit better. Maybe I should have, but hey, that is still fact and truth. You are not in control of your own life. You have no control over what's gonna happen the rest of today or tomorrow. Yes, you have some things that you are in control of. And right at the very outset of this message, I said about you know encouraging people to take responsibility. You have the control to take responsibility for your own life and for what you do. But outside of that, outside of work and everyone else, what they do and what's going on in the world and whether you get ill or not and all of these things, you don't control that. I don't control that. There's far bigger forces that are in control of that. Far bigger forces that are in control of those things. And maybe it's because you don't like the idea of someone else telling you what to do. Can I say grow up and get over it? Would that be fair to say? I don't know. I don't know whether I could say that. I'll just leave that hanging in there. Maybe you don't like the idea of someone telling you what to do. Then, then where's the Humility. How can you be a Christian and not be humble? Knowing that, that we owe him our, our very lives. Anyone here been forgiven much? I, I, I reckon I reckon I probably I reckon I'm the best. I reckon I've been forgiven more than anyone else in here. I'm gonna go out there and say that, right? I reckon it's me. <laughs> right out there, right? My family I'm gonna give them as a testimony to back me up and my mum could come up here and you name it, loads of people could come up here and point fingers and say all stuff. I reckon I've probably been the, the worst, but I'm sure people will argue with me and let's not get on with that. Jeff he's probably a close second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. We're talking about things of eternity. You know, as a church, right, we've made no secret of it. We've not kind of, we try and be careful about what we believe the, the call on this church is and the vision for this church is how we put that out so it doesn't sound arrogant or anything like that. 1%. 1% 1% of the population of Warrington we're claiming. We've claimed. We've already claimed. And, and, and we're believing that God's going to give them to us. That's a big, big church, right? That's not about kind of, you know, brashness or pride or anything like that. that that's about, I, I don't want to leave this earth without giving my best shot. I just, you know what I mean? I, I don't know about you. I want to I give it everything. I, you know what I've put my heart to. I want to give it everything, right? In, in honesty towards God. So we, one of the things we may end up doing at some point—we've not kind of really do, done this—but we could go in, and we have had some stuff in the past. We could get grants. We could see a building that's fantastic, right? And, and a massive building, and we go, "Hey, you know, we want that building." And there's an organisation out there that will give us money towards getting that building, and we could go to them for a grant. Imagine we go to them for a grant and we say, "Hey, you know, we." We want you to give us some money for this building and they say that's brilliant okay let's have a look at you know who, who you are and what you're doing and all this kind of stuff and we'd sit down with them and we'd talk to them and then and then we say to them but we're not going to put any money and we want you to do it all we, we want you to do it yes. how's that going to play out <laughs> in the world they call it skin in the game <laughs> it's the phrase they use in it i've got skin in the game I, I, i'm in here I've given everything, I, I, I'm in, I'm, I'm a part of this, I'm committed, I'm there. Yeah. there it's on all of us yeah. who, who, are, who, who believe this is your home, who are, who are faithful Christians. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with this. I'm going to give you a few verses, but I'm going to end it with this, it's a few encouraging verses. If you want to be fully blessed as a Christian, with everything that God has got for you, this is a part of it. It's an important part of it. Can't get away from it. It's an important part of it. And I have the responsibility. I could have easily ducked out of this and not not done this message and gone. This is too hard. You know, people might not like it. They might even leave. You know, I, I, listen. If you're offended by this, come and see me. If you do want to leave, th- that's that's fine. We're not going to kind of be upset or offended or anything like that. I'd prefer if you came and spoke to me or spoke to us, you know, that, that would be fine. But hopefully no one's offended by this. And y- the heart of it comes out that I want everyone to take responsibility. And let's and, and you know, we, we may have messed up and heard in the past and we may not be getting things right. But there's times, there's seasons, there's times when God puts a finger on things and he says, right now it's this. Now I want you to sort this out. And then a bit further along the line, he says, now I want you to sort this part of your life out. And he says, now I want you to sort this part of your life out. This is all about us having our house in order, making sure that as a church, we're, we're doing things to the best that we can. And God's blessed me. He's blessed my family. He's blessed this church. Far, far above. Oh, so, so much. And, and just a few, a few verses to share with you that I'd love to read out. Deuteronomy 1422 to 23 says this, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all your field produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, Honor the Lord. That's what it's about, honouring God. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. I know not many of us are farmers in here today. So that doesn't just mean for farmers, that means of what God's given you, the ability to produce and to give and all of those things. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. I think you could put bank accounts in there, couldn't you, probably in modern day. and your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the whole tithe to the storehouses, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will be not enough room to store it. Matthew 23, 23 quoted this before. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 2 Corinthians 8, 14, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. And 2 Corinthians, last couple, 9, 6 to 8, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. And Hebrews seven, have a read of Hebrews seven. It's really powerful. It talks about Abraham and giving to Melchizedek, and the very first mention of the tithe, and 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 really re-emphasize it. New Testament preaching by the writer of Hebrews there. And but in verse two, he simply says this: Abraham gave a tenth of everything. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.